Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. So today on the podcast, I have Alex Baskin, who is the co-owner and president of Evolution Media. You guys have heard him here before on the podcast, talking about the millions of shows that they produce, including, of course, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Orange County, Vanderpump Rules, et cetera, et cetera. Today, I reached out to Alex because he is somebody extremely smart and thoughtful and I knew would be interested in the new Alan Farrow documentary series on HBO, which I've been talking about for the last few weeks and promised that I would cover. And we have a really, really lively conversation about it. Um, I do have a few warnings going into it. Number one is that spoilers abound. We both binged the four episodes at one time, which I really wish you all could have done as well, because it really is, to me, best seen as one full Full piece. Um, so, you know, if you don't really care about spoilers, then listen to it all now. But if you want to hold on to this and wait until you've seen all four episodes, then you've you've been given a heads up for that. And then the second warning is that this documentary in our conversation deals with conversations about sexual assault and rape and incest. So if these are topics that are triggering to you or you rather not hear then this is definitely not the podcast for you. So having said all of that, here is my conversation with Alex Baskin about Alan versus Pharaoh now streaming on HBO and HBO Max. Okay, so here he is, Mr. America, Alex Baskin here on my porch. We are going to get into it. Good to be here. And, so, and thank you for lunch. I was a lovely Chipotle chicken salad, wasn't sure it? Sure was. It was. And we got to catch up. Listen, yeah. if you guys are hoping for housewives gossip, you're not going to get it today. <laughs> We've got way more highfalutin stuff to talk about today. Well, we should, I mean, you know. <laughs> it's all relative. Until we're done with it. Until we're done with it. So, listen, I... So he, I'm just going to be transparent. I, I think I already said this a few weeks ago on the podcast, which is that I did try to get the filmmakers of this show and they turned me down. Fine. I'm still going to watch their stuff. I'm not going to take it personally. I know I actually found out they turned a lot of people down, so I don't feel that rejected, but I knew I wanted to cover it because for me, you know, I'm from New York. I'm Jewish. I'm of a certain age. I grew up, you know, we were like Upper West Side adjacent, you know, so and then I lived on the Upper West Side. Like this was a huge part of my life. And because of my age, I, you know, was very aware of all of this when it was going on. So for me, I couldn't wait for this series. And I'm psyched to talk to you because you are younger than me. You grew up here. You are Jewish. But this was not Woody Allen was not like a big part of your life or your family's life. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I knew. Growing up that my parents were big fans of his and I remember watching his movies and especially those in in his canon and not entirely caring for them just because <laughs> like I don't get it. They were talking and nothing happened. There you go. Yeah. That's a, that's your review. Of yeah, the right. Outfit. Right. And then and then and I know we're going to cover this so yeah. not to, to get into it now. But yeah. then also I remember as a kid, the headlines when all of this went down. So I remember that, but I had the kind of the perfect um, distance from it too. It wasn't like something sensational, like for example, OJ right. that I was much more aware of, you know, at the time and felt like it was in my face. 
Okay, so good. So in a way, you're sort of coming in cold, although I guess you followed the news over the years. But, you know, it's interesting because I didn't come in cold. Like, I thought I knew everything. And that's why I think this series is so good, because it it really is. To me, it's a true crime investigation. You know, I'm obsessed with true crime and and I love following the evidence and forensics. So I think they did like a very methodical job and and almost in a way, I think, well, I'll tell you what I think really quickly overall. But then obviously I want to hear your overall thoughts. I thought they did sort of a very good job of presenting the case and also, um, you know, with witnesses, with people we never heard of. And and I, I think overall, you know, there's a narrative that's been out there for a really long time. Um, that's been sort of spoon fed. And, you know, in the last, I guess, four years, if you read Dylan's op-ed in the times and you kind of were aware of the actors that came out and said they wouldn't work with Woody, you know, things began to shift, but I think for a long time there was a certain narrative that took hold. And I think the movie, I don't even know what to call it a movie. Uh, the documentary series did a good job of kind of laying out pretty much everything. I mean, there were things it didn't deal with, but I think they mostly covered like, okay, naysayers, you say this, here's the answer to that. Okay, wait, I know you're going to bring up this, so let's talk about that. I thought overall, the one, my one critique, though, and we'll get into it, though, is that I really wish it had been released as a binge. So you watch it as a binge. Yeah. I watched it as a binge. Yeah. To me, it's one piece. I can't see watching this weekly because I think you have to watch it in the in the aggregate, in the whole. I agree, and, um, and I really did inhale it once I had access to it because it's hard not to, to continue watching it after you've started so which i think is a testament to how engrossing it is i think where i have a different take on it is i thought that it was really credible and really compelling but i thought it was incomplete and i thought um by the way i also will say i deliberately avoided reading anything about it before i watched it so um so i've read a lot about it since i watched it but um, some of which, you know, agree with my point of view, some of which don't. But I did think while I was watching it that, um, first of all, it was um, clearly very much devoted to telling a side of the story that the filmmakers didn't think had been told. And so I think that seems like they went into this um, thinking that uh, Dylan hadn't been able to tell the entire story and that basically because Woody Allen was who he was that the narrative that had taken hold was his. And so it was a re-examination. Um, and in light of, obviously, you know, all of the social developments that have taken place since then, and now Dylan's be wanting to talk about it and, and wanting to shine light on this. But I did think, though, that the treatment of a lot of things, like you mentioned that, um, that they sort of dispatched of some of the the other side, I think they just didn't, cover it. And I and it almost to me felt like that was a deliberate decision. And I think part of in in kind of reading the coverage of this after the fact is that, you know, again, their feeling is that Woody has had a chance to tell his story. Um, but I did think that the I, I think the filmmakers have said that they weren't biased because this is the truth. And so they felt like they had to sort of lay all of that out. Of course, that presupposes that this is the truth. And so it's hard because it's since gone down the rabbit hole, not just of reading reviews and critiques, but on. But I've also looked at all of the partisan 
Woody coverage. And, and you've walked in with, apropos of nothing, Woody Allen's book. I, 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 so a, Very aggressive move, Alex. Well, a, a, a friend, I, again, not a, uh, a book that I had cared to read, but, um, but when I told a friend that I was doing this, she had the book and said, and someone who grew up a Woody fan, um, but doesn't see him through rose-colored glasses and doesn't see him necessarily as a victim, said, oh, if you're interested in reading this, here this is. And she said, um, you know, when you read this, you'll see he comes across very vindictive, very angry. But she just thought it was something, you know, that I should check out. And well, to your point, I mean, I think uh, I, listen, you're absolutely right in the sense that this was not an impartial piece. You know, this is interesting. It was called Alan versus Pharaoh because I did. I was wondering after I watched the first episode, oh, is episode two going to be Woody Allen's POV? Right. It's not Allen versus Fire. I mean, that was the name of the court case. So that so that was what they sort of predicated it on. But it, it is. It's Dylan's story. It's Mia's story. And it's, you know, arguably um, one sided to that to on the one hand. But on the other hand, I agree with what the filmmakers have said, which is that obviously he's told his story for years. And I want to get into that yeah. in a minute. But I also think that all things considered, they did do a good job of representing like they used his audiobook, which by the way, I think he's trying to sue them for that, where he sort of contemporaneously speaks about whatever, you know, whether it was meeting Sunyi or meeting Mia and her, you know, acting in his films. I mean, um, you know, they did have him represented through his own words with regard to Dylan as well. They did, but it it they certainly had a to your point, point of view heading into this. And I, it, it, in many ways, I think they used his words to then swat them down. And, and again, what they would say and have said is that's because the other story has not been fully told and they, they believe the credibility of the other, of the other side. I think that's true. And I also think I'm actually we now full disclosure to the audience. You and I have not talked about this because I wanted to save it for the podcast. But you did kind of give me like a headline on the way over. And I have to say, you know, a spoiler alert, like you're not 100 percent convinced that, you know, the Dylan abuse happened. I have to say I was shocked seeing that because I I, when I after I inhaled the first four episodes, I thought there is no way that you can watch this documentary oh. and not think that. Oh, and, and to be clear too, so we just, it, it's funny, so we were texting before this. <laughs> and I texted a little bit and said, yeah, because well, we haven't fully got into it. I don't, I don't dismiss Dylan's credibility. I don't, I think there is some fog though in the, in the entire story on the, the whole. And I don't, so I don't think, I don't think Dylan is lying. I don't, to be, to be really clear. What I can't tell and what wasn't dealt with is there are certain seeming contradictions of fact. And again, depending on on sort of and this is this is kind of emblematic of our times, right, where we're debating uh, facts. So which is you know, which is odd. But there's certain things I just don't know more. That was yeah, I just, <laughs> that I just don't know more about that I would want cleared up and I and and I don't I think that again I think that this film swats away the idea that um uh 
I think it it streamlines and simplifies presupposing that everything necessarily is true. And I think there are complexities to it. Like, for example, the even even in the end, the um, uh, parental alienation or stuff like I there's a lot of statistics there that don't necessarily apply to certain cases. So there's a lot of, again, even that is is covered very quickly and purposefully and in surface of a, you know, of a conclusion. So that's that's what I would say. I do not for a minute, though, to be really clear, I think Dylan sincerely believes what she is, what she's saying. I, I don't I don't think that you can cast out on her credibility. And I did read some resources that um, uh, challenge her personally and I don't think that's okay. I don't, I, I think that this is clearly, she's tormented by this and this is, you know, defined and impacted her life in the most you know, sensitive of ways. I just think that the, I, I think that you're just, you're hearing the rest of it is you're hearing Mia Farrow's side to everything. Okay. But having said that, what the doc does really well, in my opinion, is present Evidence and witnesses. Like, let's like get True. into the abuse of it all. Yeah. Like, let's leave Sun Yi for a moment because right. that's really a whole other piece. But I do think it actually is related. I've been thinking a lot about why this happened, when this happened. Because, you know, to be clear, in my opinion, not only do I believe, Dylan, I think the abuse 100% happened. I think that, um, you know, one of the things, and again, I said this in the intro, but spoiler alerts abound. So I would wait to watch this. If you don't care, then then you know, listen away. But if, if you want to wait till the end to listen, you know, I'm just going to spoil some stuff. So they, the filmmakers reached out to multiple experts in child abuse and law enforcement to sort of independently look at um, the actual videotape. And then they dug into a lot of it, never before uh, seen evidence from the detectives. Like for instance, yeah, you know, we're going to get into a lot of details here, but you know, one of the one of the things Woody Allen has always, there, there's been sort of two main things he's always held up as his shield of how this never happened. One is that Dylan has always described this train track uh, in the attic that she was sort of staring at and that he told her to like, you know, just pay attention to that. Don't don't pay attention to what I'm doing. And uh, Moses, who's uh, one of Mia's children. I mean, there's so much to get into, but basically later said there was no train track. Woody said in his apropos of nothing in his book, there was no train track. So it's all fiction. Well, in the case files, and again, this had never been disclosed, a detective at the time when he did an investigation of the crime scene noted the train track and also noted it on the diagram of the crime scene in the attic that it existed. That wasn't done after the fact. So that's like actual yeah. evidence that's been disputed. And then of course the other big thing, which the doc takes a lot of time with is debunking the Yale, the Yale study, which um, looked into this and strangely never before in the history of psychology had destroyed all their notes about the case. Um, he always said, well, they exonerated me. So it didn't happen. And there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of fault found in that study. And, and and what was also interesting that I don't think had come up before is that one of the social workers that worked on the case from the Yale study, once the child welfare um, uh, of New York City investigated it and they found it to be credible and then they were shut down. Um, one of the social workers had told the caseworker that she believed Dylan and found her extremely credible. So 
there's a lot there. Like it, it's very easy to say this True. is investigated. Yeah, they shut it down. Uh, there was no train track. This is all bullshit. Mia coached Dylan. We we should get into the Mia coach Dylan of it yeah. all. The doc brought that up. It, it didn't deal with it as but so that was a narrative over the years, which is that like Woody Allen, that what Mia's insane. She coached Dylan and put in all of these thoughts into her head and led her on. And we, the public, have never seen this videotape of her um, interviewing Dylan. And, and Mia, and again, I think you do, like you said earlier, you have to parse through some of Mia's stuff. And I look, Mia's an actress. You know, Mia is smart. So I think that she, you know, certainly... Um, I, I found her to be credible, but I also know from reading stuff as well that, that there were certain things that, that even she testified to in court that just didn't add up to her story. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, when she found the pornographic pictures with Sun Yi and she's like, I was crying, she was crying. You know, in court, she testified to the fact that she, like, went insane and, like, started beating on her. So, like, you know, I think she should have said that and included that. And I think the filmmaker should have. It, to me, that doesn't take away from Mia's credibility. She should have gone insane. Right. Well, it actually enhances it. I agree. Yeah. Right. So those things I are, are definitely problematic. However, going back to the coaching, um, that videotape was very compelling. I mean, and that was another thing where Mia said, well, we couldn't reach the psychologist you know, so I had just started videotaping her again. That that didn't sound that's yeah, that's that sounded strange. But I also based on what we saw from that videotape, I was expecting to hear. OK, so tell me again about how he touched you in your private. You know, she wasn't leading her on. So tell me what your whole take was on on seeing that on the whole. It wasn't that I it, it isn't that I think that. He didn't do it. It's that I think that it's more complicated and I think that there are questions that remain after the documentary because I just don't think that they were fully answered or I think things were discounted. I think everything you're saying is true and those are uh, – there were facts. There are things that are inarguable that I, that I thought the, the doc presented very well. So bottom line is like, for example, the train tracks. Like that is a discrepancy in his story and he's just, you know – it best misremembering and more likely lying about that. So let's just call that for what it is. But I did think that, um, for example, you, you just mentioned a couple of the specifics with Mia. I thought that those things weren't were not covered very fully. I thought, um, you know, Moses's story was not covered in depth at all. And again, I think that those are those are pointed choices. I think that when you're putting together a project like this and if you are starting from the the basis of Dylan's story has not been fairly and fully told, then I understand why you would choose to do that, but that is a choice. That this and so I think that there are questions that remain. I think the things that we know for sure and um and even in a lot of ways I don't think Woody disputes this clearly he he had an inappropriate relationship with the children and if you don't say that then you are you're dealing in a parallel universe the question is and it's is what did he do what was accused of you know to Dylan or not and so i think the rest of it stripping away all of it that um i think that you cannot defend him as a as a as a parent but what's the leap? Like, this is my question. Uh, and yeah. that, that finally, um, I thought the doc finally explained because I never got it before. Like, what is the leap that you can think, A, 
he I mean, he was he was super he had supervised visits with Dylan because he was found to be inappropriate with yeah. her by multiple people, by, by, by Carly Simon, by people in the building, the doorman that were like, this is not yeah. normal. Like we saw video of home videos of him, you know, hovering over her, like squeezing her. I mean, just really strange. Okay. So, so here's the question. Like, uh, so clearly he even admitted in court. Yeah. Uh, it was impossible. I was alone with her because I had to be supervised with her. So it's like he admitted that his relationship was so fucked up with her that he had to be supervised. Right. So he was uh, taught her how to suck his thumb. Everybody saw that he would have his head in her lap. Everybody saw that. Like the babysitters all reported that. What is the leap to him molesting oh, her. I, I don't think it's a leap. And I think, again, that's where I think that it's... It, I'm not saying that I don't think that happened. I think that there is a... I think that the filmmakers, though, didn't really cover what he has said completely. And I think that that that's the, that's the thing. I don't think it's a leap at all. I don't think, you know, uh, would it... Is it a stretch to think that he did? Not at all. I mean, it's, it, it's you know, again, I think he was a, it's found by everyone to be a, it's, it, you know, legally and otherwise an unfit, shitty parent. Like, I don't think there's any question. So I don't think that it would strain belief to do this. And, and by the way, it is a, even at the time, and it's weird to look back on 1992 and 1993, which I know we'll get into, but even his defense is so... To call it tepid is actually, you know, to um, to try to help him out a little bit, but is really strange. I mean, when you're saying, "Well, I'm a 56 year old and and I've never molested anyone before," it's like, trust <laughs> me, like that's a very uncomfortable thing to watch. Like, that's fucking weird. So I don't think it's a leap at all. All I'm saying is that I think that there were gaps in a film that started with a certain point of view, and again, very deliberately, and um, and and that's it. I so I just I think there are. Um, you know, again, certain discrepancies and things that Mia has said, and I think it was an, an ugly, fucked up situation. And I think one of the things that the you know, filmmakers didn't clearly want to cover in all of this is what was living with Mia in that situation like, too. I mean, it's a very abnormal situation. There were a ton of kids. That has nothing to do with Dylan's being molested. And I think that's the whole point of it. And so, yeah. like, I get it. I'm just saying that it's very hard when you start digging into this. It's, yeah. it is. No, that's a really good point. So, so let me just like go on the offensive there yeah. just to sort of like, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause, cause what you're saying is true, which is that like, there's a lot of messiness and I'm glad that you also parse the fact that there can be a lot of messiness and also the abuse happened. Yes. And also he married her fucking daughter. Like there's so many, oh. but like, yes, is it, um, so Mia, like, let's just, let's just go through. So yeah. I feel like we've, We've addressed the yeah. Mia of it all. So Mia was 21 when she married Frank Sinatra. He was 50. Yeah. You know, and we're just, I'm just going to be judged. You don't yeah. need to judge. I'm just going to be judgmental. That's weird. So, but you know, Mia was also like kind of a Hollywood child who grew up in a weird way in a weird family. Like, so, you know, she came from weirdness, so to speak. Then she meets Andre Previn. He's, you know, again, this wasn't covered in the doc, but he was married. Um, she apparently like moved in with them, broke up the marriage and Dory Previn, you know, from what I've read, like had to be institutionalized. Now, again, was she mentally ill before? Probably, but you know, not a great look. They go on to get married. They have several children. They have twins together and then they um, adopt a bunch of kids and then they have another kid and then they break up, but remain amicable. And then she goes on to like adopt 
well, okay. So then backing up, you know, Woody has no interest, right? So he's dating Mia. They live across the park from each other. They're like this, you know, very New York story and no interest in any of her kids. And in in the whole situation, I think it's very interesting to me that he would even take up with someone like Mia for someone who has no interest in kids to choose someone who's obsessed with having children is just a strange choice to me. And by the way, he's also, sorry to to cut here, but he's also been completely inconsistent in his description of how involved right. he was. He's either the, the father of the year uh, or exa- didn't give a, f- or, or, or even in the same interviews yes. he would be. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to be, to be real clear, like he, what he says does not make sense on its own. And, and also um, based on what he has said before. Right. And also going back to Mia, it's very strange that she would take up with a guy who has no yes. interest in kids when that's clearly the center of her universe. So then he decides she just, you know, it kind of became this weird thing where she was like, how do I get him interested in the kids? Well, if we adopt a girl, then he could get interested. And he says, yes, a blonde girl. I mean, how creepy oh. was that? <laughs> what? But, but, but okay. So there on both sides, it was yes, creepy. And that, I agree. And, and that, that's percent. my, and again, that's my point. And <laughs> yeah. all of this to say, again, that this is not, none of this disputes yep. Dylan's account. But what I'm saying is the, it, it, to your point about the, even the title of this in the first place, this is just the Pharaoh POV on how Woody Allen fucked up their family. So <laughs> yeah. that that's it. That's my point. That's my point right. in this. And so the rest of it, like, I do agree that if you have someone who is telling you that he has no interest in children, but oh, by the way, I don't yeah. know that it's a good idea to go ahead and do that. Okay. So let's take it one step further. So, so they do. So, so, well, she does, she adopts Dylan on her own and she also adopts Moses. So she adopts Dylan and Moses in this kind of in-between period where she's done with Andre Previn and she's, you know, dating Woody, but there's no like, Oh, we're going to like, he's going to adopt them. That's not in the picture yet. So, But Woody ends up kind of becoming this father figure to Moses. Then they end up allegedly having Ronan together. Now, whether you think Frank Sinatra's the dad, I don't know. I can't prove any of that. But let's say they actually did have, he was used to be called Satchel. They had him together. A lot of renaming going on, too. A lot of renaming. It's very confusing. I needed, I kept going on Wikipedia to get the names because there's so many names. But, you know, like I said, if we're going to go one step forward on the Mia of it all in this situation, you know, it seems like the inappropriate behavior, the, the fixation and obsession with Dylan started basically from day one. Right. It escalated, it escalated to the point where Woody was obsessed with her to the exclusion of the other children. And by the time she was five, he was having to see a therapist and have supervised visits because of his inappropriate fixation with his daughter. Now, which is highly fucked up. And then she lets him adopt Dylan and Moses. So that to me wasn't really, uh, to me, like it's one thing for all of this to happen and the guilt that Mia has to carry with her for letting this man in her life and exposing him to her daughter, but to allow the adoption after she had already had, and she admits it on one of the phone calls that she taped, which were unbelievable. Oh, I mean, uh, it, it, we got to get into each that. other and, and, and <laughs> Woody getting a call on call waiting after having the best. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's, he's like, I, I don't know how to work. operate this. He's like, hold on. I'm recording Mia. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, and th- I want to get into that because yeah. I think that was very revealing about him in general yeah. as, a, as a manipulative 
predator. So anyway, so back to Mia. Uh, that that's honestly one of the things that is very hard for me to get over is that and shows some deep pathology with her is that she would let this man not just have access to her children, but legally adopt the girl that he's obsessed with to the point that they need supervision with him. That's not okay. That's the kind of stuff that is very hard for me to reconcile. And again, that I would be fascinated to see uh, explored further. And, you know, in, in sort of starting this thread, we were talking about how all of this could be true and what Dylan is saying could be true. But it makes it all a lot to take in. And it does. But I, I feel like I'm able at this point now that kind of I have all the evidence and yeah. I have all the information. I feel like I can live on these two parallel tracks yeah. where I believe. And I also so so bringing in the Moses of it all just to kind of complete the the other side, if you will. You know, Moses was firmly kind of in the Mia Dillon camp for years Um when Woody ended up with Sunyi, he came out and wrote this letter. You know, you've crushed my dreams as a father. Um, and there were even pictures in the documentary of him, you know, married with yeah. a baby. He was still look very happy. Him at graduation looking happy. The home videos looking happy. And then two years ago or three years ago comes out with this scathing public letter. Well, there are, there could be different explanations for that. So, um, you know, one could just be that upon reassessment as an adult, he sees it differently. So that's certainly possible. I think that the other, obviously, the more sinister explanation is that what he got to him. Right. And we well, just that's don't. That's what Ronan says. I mean, Ronan yeah. says he literally paid him off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he and I, we just don't we don't know. I feel uh, my honest assessment is I feel it's a combo. I feel that some of the things that he described um, going on with Mia as a child were true. I think that she's not a saint, as most people are not. And I think, to your point earlier, that would have enhanced the documentary, in my opinion, which was, could I get angry at my children and lash out? Yeah. Guess what? Like, I'm a mother, and that happens. You get frustrated. You know, she wasn't perfect, and that's okay. I think, though, playing the playing the other side, and this isn't even completely what, obviously, my point of view is, but I do understand not wanting to muddying to muddy things up to the point where the overall message is lost. And the overall message was all of that shit with Mia has been out there. So we have heard all of that. And the focus is on um, really was on Dylan. So, again, I don't that isn't where I come down because I, I would have yeah. wanted some of it to be to be dealt with. But I do think that like you were saying, you know, that. Uh, you're able to um, accept a few different things at once. And uh, but I don't know. I don't know that that's what the filmmakers intended to do. And I think that their whole purpose was, listen, you this is a story that you think that you have heard before. You've gotten one side of it. The other side has either been muzzled or or just over time has kind of been lost. And now that we are in a completely different place and Dylan has come out and started telling her story. Here it is in full. Here it is in full. And again, I'll, I'll reiterate, here it is with evidence and yes. witnesses and facts. And and just one more thing about Moses. I, wanted, I don't want to forget. Um, you know, they did parse out his letter a little bit in episode four, where not just the train tracks issue that they contradicted, but that 
Um, and he even got some weird facts wrong, like when, because I had to go yes. look at our timeline, like I was adopted in 1992. No, he was adopted in 91. But anyway, which kind of is significant when you look at the overall timeline. But anyway, the thing that he also said was that there was no way that Woody could have abused Dylan because we were all hanging out in the same area. We were all together in a public space. And Woody's actual court testimony, he said, I never saw Moses that day. He was off being grumpy. Absolutely. And so there is, yeah, no, there were um, a lot of those facts that you're saying are not on Woody's side, either things that Woody has said or that his supporters and immediately Moses, who supposedly would have known contemporaneously, said. And so that, um, yeah, that definitely is not in his favor. And I will say again, going back to the documentary in the whole, I don't think that you can factually challenge what the documentary has. I think all of that is seems to be really well supported. I think it's a matter of what they chose to cover and how. And I, I think they're different things. So Yeah, that's fascinating when you just look at documentaries, right? Yes. Like, you know, anything, right? There is no... I think you're right, going sort of full circle, which is from the beginning, and you, you know, you and I have read the same interviews with the filmmakers. I think Amy Ziering said, you know, this is kind of like climate change. It's not an opinion. It's a yeah. fact. And 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 I think that's true to the extent that they, it was methodical presenting the facts. But if you don't interview two of the main players, and you know, that, you're you're of course not going to get. But but to their point again, we've heard the story. And so there's. I want to go back to kind of like the beginning, which is that yeah. that kind of in the to, in the totality of it all. And this is where I realized the narrative that I that we have been fed for so long. I was like, Jesus, Mia really never has told the story. She never publicly, even when she reported the abuse, she didn't report it to authorities. She told the pediatrician, who then has to legally report it to authorities. She was not the one giving press conference. She was not the one talking to the magazines. He was out there ahead of it, always pushing the narrative, making her this lunatic. Well, I, it, it, the one thing I would say to that, though, is he was the one against whom... The accusations were being made. So he had to he had to sort of lodge his defense. So I, it, yeah. you know, which it, that much interesting. you're being accused of, <laughs> right. of probably right. the worst thing. Right. But I guess part of his narrative is Mia's crazy. Mia's doing this. Mia doing it. And then you look at it and it's like, actually, you know, if that's true, it's all behind the scenes because Mia is not doing anything publicly. And she she didn't even want to do this documentary. She didn't even, she's never released this video. She's never released these phone calls. We've never seen these home videos before. We've never seen these pictures. I mean, to me, that spoke volumes about the credibility of everything in my mind. In reading the very partisan Woody <laughs> Allen side yes. in preparation for this, I think that some, there is a, a counter to that, which is um, the, the claim that's made is that she leaked things. And so, for example, she had leaked the Dylan video um, but was that in the public? Had, had the public seen public that? Public hadn't seen it. Okay. So, and nothing ever came from it. But, but just Got the, it. but even that there was yeah. a an existence yeah. of it. Now, I mean, again, I would have leaked it too. A hundred percent. And and again, by <laughs> the God. way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame, I mean, I would totally understand yeah. that. Yeah. So I think even that is, is more complex, but all of that is to say that no, she never came out and, um, and spoke until recently. She did, she has in the past few years and she's obviously had um, her supporters in the media and there's the Marine North Vanity Fair articles. And so, um, so there's that, but I do think one of the thing, and this is, this is a little bit um, industry specific, but it's important in this is I think one thing that's overwrought 
in this is the power of Woody Allen in the industry. I completely buy that over the past many years, really until Me Too, I understand that a powerful person could bury a story or could spin a, a story in a way that you just wouldn't be able to to do now. But I think on the other hand, it is there's somehow this notion that this was the most powerful man in Hollywood that can ruin anyone. I, that just isn't true. Listen, here's the thing, and, and I don't want this to come off patronizingly as like a New York, L.A. Yeah. thing, but... In New York, you're right, not in Hollywood. In New York, you can't even overstate how big, how big he lived. Yeah, I probably don't appreciate that. I mean, he he was the fabric of, like, Annie Hall was, you know, my favorite film growing up. Like, we, like a certain, again, a certain era, a certain, uh, you know, and and again, New York tabloids its own thing. Like, it's a very specific that you can't even, it's almost like what paparazzi is in, in LA is to like tabloids and big sensational news stories in New York. It was huge. And also internationally, Woody is huge. I mean, they said even that film that got dropped in 2017, yeah. that made $22 million international. That's just on international. And for a long time too, you know, on the other side of it, Woody Allen had a certain cachet. So it was a, it you know, huge box office stars would take no money to do a Woody Allen movie because it was cool to say that you had worked with Woody Allen. And so I do think that there was there was that. I just think that it I think I buy that the Woody Allen machine could insulate him and and honestly could hurt her by being someone who is not, you know, to be honest too, someone who was starring in movies other right. than Woody I Allen mean, movies. No, I he mean made that, her that's career. That, that's the truth. So she didn't have, you know, that much of a career and it wasn't Mia Farrow was not someone who would open up a a movie. So I totally understand how that could be scary and, you know, and intimidating. And yeah. And he wielded that over her. You're washed up. You're never going to get more roles if I don't give you the roles. And then, and, and this is another one that is a, that is one of those facts that, that can go either way then after the abuse claim came out, um, Mia was in one of Woody's movies and was showing up to, um, you know, to be costume fitted. And what he said, well, what is this? Well, I can look at that in a bunch of different ways, right? I could say that, it, well, it's strange that, you know, here's this child molester and you're still in his movie. I also understand for her, she's a single woman who is trying not to have her career just completely ruined. And she's just trying to go on business as usual and provide for her kids. I look at I look at it that way also. And I also look at it as sort of like the third rail, which is, you know, why did Anita Hill go to work for Clarence exactly. Thomas? It's, it's very much in that grooming predator. I have this power yes. over you. I'm scared to death of you. And 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 also and I along those lines, too, you know, it's maybe he would have hoped that she would drop the the charge to the extent that he thought she could. And so there's all of that going on at the same time, it's really messy. It's so messy. And again, like, you know, I sent you a, a, a timeline, right? Because yeah. it, it's so hard to get my mind around the timeline. And, and now I want to talk about the Sunni of it. Sunni, which is another big bombshell. I know. I, I the couldn't... biggest bombshell was I... you pronounce Sunni Sunni. So how we've gone on for three decades and called her Sunni is not fair. Sunni. So with Sunni, and it feels wrong. Um, <laughs> so... So what's so interesting is, you know, the Dylan abuse happened six months after the Sunni bombshell. So we'll deal with that in a moment. But, you know, 
the, again, the narrative over the years, at least from the public, is mostly like, I don't know what happened with Dylan, but, you know, it's really fucked up what he did. And and again, I, I think there's, I personally think there may be a connection there, which is that, and I want, uh, I, I want to back well, it. Well, not, and we'll get into his movies too. Yes, exactly. I mean, so you can't yeah. talk about, but but the direct connection I think um, is, could be, and again, this is total speculation, but you know, I've done sort of a lot of work in the last year learning about predators and predatory behavior and grooming and coercive control and, and, and that, uh, and, t- and malignant narcissism. And, and I think he falls under all of that. And I think you could argue, and again, I don't know if I didn't see this in any of the pieces, but I was trying to think, what's the connection? Why, you know, why did he do, why did he escalate it? I mean, it could have, there were a lot of inappropriate things over the years, but this is the first time she's reported sexual assault, right? Why now? Like, what is the, why did, you know, and, and was it just opportunity I think what could, maybe it happened earlier and it definitely and I have that in my notes, yeah. too, that 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 could maybe not have been the first time. Yeah. And also, if she was five, she may not have remembered. But but I also think that it could be connected, which is that once it got public with SUNY, you know, all, all shit broke loose. But that's what I'm unclear on in the timeline, though. When he abused Dylan, had it come out yet that he had been with SUNY or did that not come out until the trial? That's what I can't figure out because I couldn't figure out if he was I so humiliated that this was almost, you know, vindictive. I think that I'm going to pull up the timeline. Yeah, I, I think I'm not positive, but I think it had come out. So he adopts Dylan and Moses in December of 91 and in January, January. of 92, I mean, just um, I mean, that's right, the craziest yeah, right thing. Then. Literally yeah. a month later, he. Yeah. Uh, Mia finds the photographs, but to be clear, this wasn't when the affair started. And and the doc gets into that, which was so disturbing, which is that it probably started years earlier, like as early as when she was 17 in high school. There were doormen that were, you know. Although it's, it is, yeah. it's, there's discrepancies about her age. Although anytime you're talking about that, you know, you're in trouble and it isn't like that relationship is okay when she's 18. Right, I mean, that, that's the thing that, yeah. it's, that is so fucked up about. All of it. Too. I mean, all of it. So it is because you, because your brain is like it. Talk about to your point. Yeah. Course of control and talk about yeah. a taking advantage of a power dynamic. Like it. That relationship is really hard to watch in the dock. Even just putting aside Dylan. I know. I know. I mean, I know the heart wants what it wants, <laughs> no. but it's... It's insane. It I is. mean, he... Okay, so let's let's get yeah. into that. And just to be clear on the timeline, this yeah. is even more fucked up than I thought. It's so much quicker, Alex. Basically, he... Um, it Basically, January is when Mia finds the pictures. That summer is when the abuse happens. The next day is when the, the friend of Mia, Casey Pascal, tells her that the babysitter reported seeing them. And then... A week later is when Woody sues Mia for custody. A week later. Did you realize it was that soon after he was accused? Yeah, because... I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because it was a... It was... He actually was trying to make it preemptive. So right, to was, bury the accusations. To, exactly. Yeah. So he was trying to say, actually, you know, wow. it, it basically... What he was trying to characterize Mia is so unhinged that... He he needed to take custody of the kids because now she had gone so far wow, right. as to engineer right, this right. kind of abuse. 
Okay. And so just to be clear, yeah. and then I want to get into what yeah. you just brought up, um, four days after he sued for custody is when he released a statement confirming his relationship with yes. Sunni, well, saying it's yeah. real and happily all true. <laughs> so, so let's get into it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and I have to say, as much as I thought I knew about him and his films and his dis- you know, discography, I really had no clue to the extent that basically every movie this man has made is about an old man's relationship with a young woman. It's so fucked up. It is. It's it, no, so disturbing. And how is it, even at the time, and I wasn't born to see this released, but how is it that Manhattan wasn't, was even... Different time, but, but but I mean, I but but beyond a different time, right? Because like, you're not still legal. About, yeah, it's a 42 year old and a 17 year old, and and it's it's a joke. He makes joke about the cops coming in, yeah. in the movie. But here's and again, spoiler abound, spoilers abound. I, I this was a new bombshell. Uh, yes, I, I mean explosive that that Marielle Hemingway's character was based on a, a actual girl. 17-year-old girl he met her when she was 16 Christina Engelhart and and they t- and started being sexual with her at 17 and she's never spoken publicly uh Christina Engelhart and and one of the one of the experts said you know this I thought was spot on his movies over the years groom us into thinking these kinds of relationships are okay you know and they're kind of funny and how about amusing. the fact that even Muriel Hemingway was was groomed by him and I know it's so disturbing. So so back to like the, you know, the sort of coercive control, the, the predation, yeah. um, archetypical behavior, him isolating Mia from her friends, making her grateful to him for the career, making her insecure, off balance. All of that is classic. Yes. That's how you keep the control. Right. So if you keep that control, then you don't then then. You can continue to gaslight. You continue to make her. I mean, she's still terrified of him until this day. That felt very real. That felt very real to me. And I think he did the same thing to Suni. I'm sorry. She, the poor girl, had, I think one Priscilla Gilman, one of the friends said, this is a girl who never kissed a boy. This was a girl so naive and innocent. And, you know, oh, but it's not his fault. Mia told him to take, she's so withdrawn, take her to the Knicks games, you know? And so, you know, he was, "Ah, I didn't want to do it, but okay, I'll I'll take her under my wing. Next thing you know, they're in a sexual relationship. I mean, it's so disgusting. Well, and I think the sense that you get of Woody Allen and the whole is that it's someone who is a complete outcast. And so he is where he derives power is a from being Woody Allen, the persona and all of the movies. And then the other thing is very clearly, again, just putting aside. It's, it's funny because you think that when you watch this, you're really eyeing the specific of the sexual abuse allegation against Dylan for the one incident. But the truth is, you do see a guy, even if you exactly. put that totally aside, who obviously has a pattern of abusing younger women and so it's hard not to with the Sunni there. Did I say that right? You did. Um, of it all. But um, 
it's you could say, well, they've been together all of these years, but you cannot ignore the nature of their relationship in the first place, where she was from, how she knew him. And then the way that he tries to normalize it by saying too, well, we didn't really have much to do with each other before this. And it's like, well, that's fucking weird. Yeah, like, right. Because all of that is strange. So yeah, until it's you like, were useful to me, that that's exactly right. Like yeah. until you had whatever was going on with Mia and until you took her adopted daughter, started taking her to Nick's games and you guys fell for each other. So that's weird. And the other thing too, is that's, that really strikes me in, uh, in reading, um, uh, about Woody and Suni now and in reading, um, their point of view is that they both kind of feel stuck with each other. So <laughs> there is an element too. And this is also covered in the doc where, Woody is trying to decide what to do when Mia discovers right, the photos. Right. And so he is vacillating between saying, I still love you and what a mistake. Like as though, yeah, you know, that's somehow stand, gonna it, it, yeah. you know, like yeah, it's so, you know, I'll never do this when if any of your adopted children again kind of thing. You know, <laughs> and then it was like exactly like you know, I'm I'm weak, whatever. And uh and then realizing that he's in a position where he is being accused of sexual abuse against a five-year-old who he actually is the parent to. And all of this has come out about Sunni, which is at the very least it, highly compromising and gross and questionable, even if it isn't illegal, it still is yeah, is really troubling and disturbing. And so, you know, he doubles down on the relationship with Sunni, and that's why he comes out and says the heart wants the heart wants, and he talks about you know how great it is that this is real and true. And it so it and and kind of what his we will say that the the what his machine went out and. Um, the idea that they tried to get public hold of was not just that Mia was crazy, but also basically like, yeah, this whole thing is unconventional <laughs> yeah. and they fell in love, but that's OK. Right. Yeah. And they're sensing. And bottom line is we would not accept that these days. Take away. Yes. Take away Dylan. Yes. Take away Dylan right. completely. Right. Right. <laughs> if this relationship, if Dylan didn't exist. Can you imagine. And this relationship you're like, between a Woody and a Sunni were to emerge now. The no. guy is not still making movies. No, no. I mean, thank you for bringing that up because because it's amazing what t what time can do. But but you're absolutely right. If you if you leave everything else out of it, just the existence of this relationship. But to me, it only strengthens everything else because it's not just the movies. We're not just separating the art from the artist. He did it IRL. Like, yes, this actually happened. You know, and he actually married. Somebody, you know, who was, you know, he met when she was a, a girl. I believe that they took up when she was in high school. I mean, I believe all of that. So, and again, even if it was 21, still disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter, but, um, but still matters in the sense that she was so much younger. Yeah. But, but like, if this is not about separating the art from the artist, this has been hiding in plain sight for decades. Well, and I, and I think for sure, the other thing is, the art kind of is the artist, like we were saying. Exactly. So, so you can't. Right. It's it is. It's also it's not because um, refer to this too in the doc to like Wagner, for example. Yeah. And and the difference is that um, he it his art is it, you can debate 
forever and people fall down on, on, you know, come down on different sides of this. But it's but the guy was a composer versus Woody Allen making movies about the very thing that is playing it, out in real life. Exactly. So not, there was no connection. His, yeah. his music wasn't about abusing women or whatever. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of Bill Cosby in the sense that um, Woody, well, actually Cosby was even more different because he had the good guy persona that he portrayed on the show. See, his was completely different because yeah. you could, so the, the argument yeah, that, you, that you right. could make, and I have a hard time personally with this, but the argument that you could make is if you want to watch the Cosby show, yeah. just watch the Cosby show. You're watching Cliff Huxtable. Yeah. Right. Well, that was what Seinfeld said to Colbert. And which like, is, which what? is what Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, but, but here you're, you're watching right. Woody Allen. You're watching, you're the watching same. Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yes. And no, yes. To the extent that he's portraying everything we're talking about, you know, minus the, you know, molesting a, a small child. However, he carefully cultivated this, you know, the nervous kind of nerdy, yes. you know, oh, you know, I have, can I tape the phone calls? I'm a bubbling yeah. idiot. Where actually what's so interesting about the phone calls in particular, where you hear the real Woody is just how cold and calculating he was. And I thought that was a real window that we hadn't seen before. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, I guess it didn't terribly surprise me because obviously the guy has been capable enough to engineer his life anyway, so it's a little bit of a of a shtick. But you do hear it in the, the one phone call in particular where we keep going back to this, but just because it is so telling where you're right. He plays stupid and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and just even hearing him manipulating her and gaslighting her. And, and, and doing it. So easily. So easily. But you know what struck me about those calls, Alex? The calls were incredible to me if you really like analyze them deeply. Was that Mia, and I don't know if this was calculated or not because she knew she was taping, so it's hard to know. But she, first of all, didn't, except for the one call where she really broke down, like, you you know, you want to be dead if you By knew. By the way, they knew they were taping each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I. I don't know if Woody knew that Mia was taping 100%. him. A hundred percent. You think so? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because. Okay. If his whole, you know, in the first place, even if he knew that he was guilty as hell and lying about everything, he did know that she was also a force to be reckoned with. And so I think they knew that they were. Okay. Yeah. That's possible. I mean, I think but what I was going to say about her side of the calls were, and again, this might have been purposeful for her to elicit, you know, she might have been kind of like leading him to get the responses she wanted, but I just couldn't believe like, it felt like she was giving him the benefit of the doubt almost. Like it, it didn't feel like I would be mental. Well, that's almost where I thought too that she was. That's part of the reason that I thought that she was taping him is, um, is it's how measured she was. Yeah. I, I didn't. That's, that's kind of, that's, that's right. And so I thought that she was um, trying to get him to talk. And right, because she's like, you know that suing for custody is not a good idea. Yeah, that, like, I would have been like, are you out of your fucking mind uh, trying to get my kids? Absolutely. So that, <laughs> that's where I thought that um, I thought they were both taping each other and they kind of knew it. He was um, really, with that said, he was so odd on those calls. And especially because he knew he was taping them. I thought even... Um, a lot of the things that he said were strange. By the way, do you did you notice too that a lot of he was inaudible 
for a lot of it yeah. and wasn't fully answering things. Yeah. But like, but he didn't even offer up, the, the, the other thing that was a little bit creepy to me is he didn't offer up any defense. I was the same thing. Yeah. I thought they would have included that. Yes. <laughs> if he had defended himself, we would have heard it. Yeah. So how do you not, and by the way, like, especially when you know you're taping them and you're going to be using That's, them, why would you not say, here's what, ha-, you know, of course yes. I would never do that, Mia. How could you ever accuse me I of such a horrific? I kept waiting for that. Yes. That was yeah. where I thought, and I can't remember if he actually said this or if she quoted him as saying this, but this was the haunting thing that was in the trailer too, where he said, it's not about the truth. It's what people believe. Yes. That yes. was like, whoa. I mean, that's kind of the heart of the no, whole thing. No, that was chilling. chilling. That was, that, that's absolutely, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And and again, so contrary to sort of the bumbling, nervous fool. Contrary to that. And, you know? and, and if you hadn't done it, you wouldn't be saying that. You'd be saying, right. I didn't do it. Exactly. Right? I mean, I, Thank you. So, exactly. so that's, you Exactly. Know, yeah. Why would you ever say that? The truth is this. Yes. You know, I mean. Yeah. So I want to just, we're, we're kind of running out of time, but I want to get back to Dylan. Um, you know, in episode four, she meets with um, the prosecutor. So yes. he, so basically what happens is ultimately- even Such a though, reality show moment. It, it was a little, a little much actually yeah. in that sense. Cause like, let's do the reunion in yeah. episode four. So that was like the only false note to me. Yeah. It was, I mean, they did it very tastefully, but just the sort of bringing them back together after all the years yeah, yeah. felt a little watch what happens. But um Putting that aside, it's yep. <laughs> so funny. I thought the same thing. Putting that aside, you know, the reality is, is that they clearly, Frank Mako, I believe his yep. name, he clearly had enough evidence to, to build a case um, and charge him with uh, first and fourth sexual yes. assault, degree sexual assault. But he felt that Dylan had been through enough. I mean, she had been through the ringer and he didn't feel like he could ultimately put her through all of that. Yeah. Again, and I think also, I don't remember this was said or just my interpretation, but he didn't think that the, that ultimately he could get a conviction. I think that was the big thing is, is yeah, that's right. Because he did, he uh, continually said he didn't want to put her through it again. But, uh, but I also think that the, I think going back in time to where this all was and the release of the Yale study and all of that. The bottom line is the other thing you can't do is, and, and he seemed like a very sincere guy who yes. really was concerned about Dylan's yeah. well-being. There's no question there. But the other thing is, I it would have been terrible to charge Woody Allen and not be able to convict him. And so I think now I think that these, you know, I think that the 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 emotional resonance of what we watched was that was too not wanting to put Dylan through it and then to see her tormented all these years by the fact that that, you know, that, that I know that, that killed me. That, killed that me. was so tough. So that was because yeah. now she feels like she has to now vindicate, you know, herself as a little girl. To, so there's all of that. But um, but I do think that uh, also there's a very practical consideration, which is that I mean, listen, it's first of all, um, the jury pool, everyone was already tainted. Exactly. So what are you going to do? I mean, right. I just don't. And 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 it would have been, you know, again, if you bring that, you bring that charge and you don't get a conviction. Yeah. No, I mean, prosecutors bring cases to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's devastating, but I don't think it would have had a, a prayer in hell. I mean, look, you know, it it was just with that Yale study. But but I but I believe there was vindication, which I didn't really know from the custody trial. I mean, that judge came out uh, 
Yes. Basically with a scathing, like not only are you not getting your kids, but like you're one fucked up dude who doesn't deserve any kids. And the fact that he was allowed to adopt two children with Sunni, I, how is that happening? Do you well, think it was one of those like pay it on the side adoptions? All of that really strange. <laughs> right? But also another thing going back to Woody's behavior, you have never seen him upset that he was then never able to see his kids from that point on. Yeah. So all of that yeah. is so strange to me I too. Know. Because wouldn't you just be devastated? Wouldn't it's you your say kids? Yes. And and if you if you didn't do this, right, you would say, You've dragged me through the mud and you have prevented me kids, you would pursue every possible legal avenue that you could. And he didn't do that. And in fact, he's only upset with his kids that they sided with Dylan. So and and you never see him expressing any, any sympathy toward Dylan. And as Mia says, he can't attack Dylan, so he's going to attack yeah. me. But classic, but it, it classic all of abuser that. So, behavior. So he plays into. I mean, it really does. It it fits into the framework that we now understand of abusive behavior. Yes, it is also very odd to me. To your point, that he then ended up adopting <laughs> two kids. I find all of that. Yeah. Troubling. I mean, we could get into so much more, but I'm curious. And, and you know, episode four explores this a little bit in that L.A. Times article I sent you. Uh, the headline was pretty was pretty sharp, which was like this doc will destroy his legacy once and for all. Do you think so? I know you don't think much of his legacy to begin with. Well, no, it, it isn't. It isn't that I don't. I, I fully appreciate his legacy. It isn't that he's just never been. um you know, an inspiration to me, or I've <laughs> right. never been, I've, I've seen, you know, again, I mean, I, if, if you, um, are exposing yourself to great works in film, you see Annie Hall, right? I mean, so, um, I don't know that it, that it will, I don't know that he has much of a, a career going for, he's 85 anyway. He's so old, so he's it's crazy. So there's that, and he, for the first time too, he's someone who looked the same age forever until he didn't. Exactly. <laughs> now he's, he's really, he's, he's old and feeble. Yeah. And, and to your point, he still can um, get projects made. It's a little janky and it's all um, through Europe. So it can't be, he can't release anything in the States and obviously Amazon no longer in business and all of that stuff. But I still think that um, probably going forward in years we're outside of 2021, I, I don't, I bet you that his films still are, watch and maybe his legacy is a little bit different because maybe the headline is um here was this really fucked up guy and um and then here are the movies that he made but i i don't think that um you know the movies are going to be taken out of circulation or going to be deemed to be any less important at the you know as uh as you know, 1970s in particular being his peak, 70s really, and 80s as um, you know as important artistic contributions then, but with a major asterisk, to me. Yeah. What is someone like a? I couldn't help but think, what is someone like Diane Keaton? Not someone. What is Diane Keaton? Let's say she's watching. She may not yeah. be. Watching. Let's say she's watching. How? What does she come? How does she come out of this four-part doc? And what is she thinking? Like I, because she's you know a staunch defender. They have yeah. clips of her in the movie. Listen, that all may have happened, but he made my career. Well, I think that you. I think it's one of two things. I think either you at a certain point, I think that it's too much for you, and I think that you're just <laughs> right. disgusted by him, or whatever. Or I think that that again, this is where because the documentary had a point of view. I think that if you are inclined to be a 
Woody Allen apologist. I think you can watch it and I think you can say, but what about what Moses said? What about the, I I think you can say all of those things. I just think that the people who say those things are dwindling. And I think that, that that again, I, I think that the best you can say for him coming out of this is that there are things that were unexplored and there may be another side. Um, but, but I think that's harder and harder certainly to say. And, and I think you, you can again, still say, well, it, it, but what about Mia? But I think to defend Woody Allen on the merits, I think is much more difficult after this. I do want to make one more point because this is actually to me, at least personally, kind of the most interesting point, which is in a way it's a Rorschach test. I never say that word. Did I say it right? (laughs) Rorschach? Rorschach, yeah. Which is that the why we're so invested in Woody Allen, right? It's one person, right? Like this is not, and by the way, like, this is not a Harvey Weinstein who raped, right. you know, hundreds of women. Like, you know, this was sort of, um, you know, a one-off, if you will, putting sort of the young girl stuff aside yeah. that, you know, all super disturbing, marrying his daughter, all of that. But like, this is not sort of a serial predator where sort of like the mountain of evidence, um, you know, makes it sort of impossible to, to um, or, or somebody like a Harvey Weinstein who not only did those things, but was a massive asshole anyway. So it all tracked. It was just a matter of it coming out. To me, what's so interesting about this story and Woody Allen is how invested, it reminds me of Michael Jackson so much, which is that, and how I felt, to be honest, about both of them, which is like, I don't want this to be true. I really don't want this to be true. Like, I don't want to accept this as true because it will... You know, and Cosby to an extent, but again, mountain of evidence. But but with those, it's like children is such a different category. You know, it's something yeah. that it just puts it in a whole other realm. But also these are people that, you know, for me, at least I love the work of these, the, you know, Michael Jackson and Woody Allen. Like that was such a part of the fabric of my being and growing up that like I want to fight it so hard that it it hurts. And so to accept all of this is true is to like make yourself doubt like everything that you've ever thought or liked. I remember when um, Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman were murdered and it wasn't that I had grown up an OJ fan because he was before my time, but I remember still not processing it at first. Like the guy from the Hertz commercials is like all American. Like he just wouldn't possibly do that. Right. Like how could he do that? And so there is a, there's a, there's a certain amount of that. And then, and then again, I think the thing that is also, um, that we're processing is that we knew a lot of this, not all of it at the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's what we chose yeah. to no, do with it true. and how we chose to filter it. And so that's the thing that's also um, disturbing. And and again, I, I have to believe, I'm curious to know what you think, but I have to, I have to believe that just a the Sunni relationship now would tank someone's career. It would tank someone's career. And also Dylan coming out in 2014, as opposed to 2017 That's right. with her up, it would have, I mean, Woody Allen would have been canceled on arrival, uh, you know, two years ago with that editorial. That, that for sure. You know? I mean, I mean, unquestionably. Yeah. No, but the Sunni yeah. of it all. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they, and then they did in episode four, bring in, you know, sort of Roman Polanski and some of these other, uh, you know, crazy people <laughs> whom, whom, by the way, Mia Farrow had originally defended. Did she? She And then she yeah. came out and 
she apologized for that after the fact, but that wasn't until fairly recently. But but I don't um that goes back to the world being a little bit messy and Yeah, and also like the, you know, I always think about there are no perfect victims. Right. You know, and it's like we want like Yes. You know, I, I can look back on I mean, I don't want to bring up specific, but I can look back on things even in my own life sure. and, and things that I looked at that I didn't understand or I was, I always say I was brainwashed by the patriarchy, yeah. you know, and, 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 and time and, and the culture changing and evolving. And, and even, even, you know, in, you know, even there too, you're saying it's like, it's, it is, it, Roman Polanski and statutory rape is different than Woody Allen molesting his daughter. And that is, which is not to say that, you know, that it also isn't egregious or is acceptable, but it's, it, it, they're not the same thing. And it gives, it, you know, so sort yeah. of give Mia Farrow the benefit of the doubt on that. And that doesn't, it isn't to say then, well, she defended Roman Polanski. So then that means that um, she must have uh, coerced Dylan into making this accusation. Right. That doesn't obviously track. And that's the thing that I hope people take away perfect conclusion that's the thing i hope people take away from this doc is that a lot of things can be true at the same time like yeah. mia can be out of her mind i don't know if she is by the way like i didn't get that impression from her in this doc not from the not from the doc yeah so yeah. but but let's say she is right. okay let's say she's completely batshit but i but you can also these other things woody allen can also have done everything that he did without you know and, and so that's, it's it's like yes, that's true. it's hard to but I think that the way that our minds work a lot of times is very binary and equivalent. You know, if X that I mean, I'm, I'm stuck true. at math, but like, you know, well, that can't be because of this. And it's like, no, all those things can actually exist. Like, you know, going back to my Anita Hill example, like Clarence Thomas did all those things. And she also went to continue to work for him. That's right. Like it's messy and it doesn't always make sense. And there are way smarter people than me who can explain you know, coercive control and, you know, gaslighting and, and a psychological context. And, uh, you know, I, I or, don't... Or sometimes it can't even be explained. And that's the right. world, too. Sometimes That's a really good yeah. point. And sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. So apropos of nothing, Alex... Nice. Uh, <laughs> I had to get that in. Uh, thank you for your service. It's been very hard not to ask you about Erica Jane, but we're just going to have to wait. Well, we'll do that another time. And we'll do that another time. Do we have a date yet, by the way, on, on, on Beverly Hills coming out? Has that been announced? It hasn't been announced yet. Are you going to break it exclusively on so, this podcast? <laughs> we have a date, but I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> Mike Scott, <laughs> thank you. This was really fun, actually, not to talk about house size and to talk about. And, and thank you for your service. Listen, you are a busy man who does not have four hours of his life to devote to anything other than work. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me do it. It was a lot of fun, and I definitely got sucked into this. It's really compelling. <laughs> I knew you would. Yeah. 